0: Hey everyone, it's LaShonda from Labors of Love, and you're listening to the Labors of Love podcast. Today, I wanted to drop a bonus episode to just talk a little bit about caring for ourselves in times of crisis. And we happen to find ourselves in one of those right now. So I'm going to go ahead and jump in. I am completely confident that the content of this episode will be universal as well as applicable to many different times in our lives. But as I'm recording it, I'm recording it in response to uh, the coronavirus that has become a pandemic uh, across the world. And so I am a resident of the United States. I live in Ohio, and Ohio is one of the states that has been very um, proactive and progressive regarding Uh, attempts to make, maintain safety and health for its residents. And that has come in the form of school closures at this point up to three weeks. But it has been said that, you know, that is tentative, maybe lasting longer. Universities have closed Um, more recently. uh, Big, big institutions, uh, big money institutions like the NBA, the NCAA, Broadway, <clears throat> Excuse me, in various uh, associations have shut down. Um, people are being encouraged to have social distancing, um, which is a new term for me. I'm not saying it's a new term, but definitely not one that I have heard prior to this pandemic. And so I have been able to experience my own reactions to the pandemic, um, as well as my own reactions to other people's reactions. And I have watched people react um, to the virus as well as to other people's response to it and thought it would just be a good idea to put this out there to hopefully bring a little bit of hope and a little bit of compassion to what are very uncertain and trying times. So during a time when we are encouraged to socially distance ourselves from others in the name of safety and health, I want to emphasize that that does not mean that we have to be disconnected. And that is a lot of the emphasis that I want to talk about on this episode. How do we maintain connection when we are distant from other people? But before specifically going there, I want to talk about, one, the nature of fear and threat. As humans, we are hardwired for survival. And we, as the human race, have a very kind of set and predictable way through which our body and brains will take us through the survival um, survival process, if you will. <clears throat> so I want to talk a little bit about that in hopes that it will bring some clarity to what you may be experiencing personally, but also some empathy to what you are witnessing happening across the globe, um, but maybe even more closely across the street or even across the room. Um, I know that there are people who are having very different responses to the coronavirus. And I'm hoping to add a little texture to what that is. Before I talk about uh, fear and fear responses, I want to let people know that our brains make up stories. Um, Whether or not you know it, your brain is making up a story pretty much all day every day. And sometimes those stories um, are accurate and oftentimes they are not. If you're familiar with Labors of Love's YouTube channel, I have a video, a Therapy Thursday video that I've put out um, about how our brain makes up stories and how we interact with the story instead of what's happening right in front of us. So I want this to serve as a reminder that how you are interpreting what is happening in your life right now, whether it is coronavirus related or not, has a whole lot to do with the books that are in your mental library. And those books in your mental library got there through every experience that you've ever had. Every book you've read, every news article you've read, everything you've seen on TV. And we are interpreting what's happening right before us based on the experiences that we've had before. It's important for us to understand that because when we see one see someone having a response that is very different than ours there is a tendency for us to judge that person, uh, maybe even call them names in our mind. Sometimes we say it out loud and we certainly say it over social media and we are judging that person's response, but we're making judgments based on our lived experiences, not theirs. And that can lead to some very challenging communication and it can lead to danger. So, I want to talk a little bit about how we can maybe start to make sense of all of this and throughout the process, hope that I help people feel a little more encouraged and a little more hopeful. So with that, I wanna introduce some of you all and remind others of the fear cascade. Essentially, when we as people experience threat of some sort, our brain takes us into survival mode so that we can survive that threat. And it does it in a pretty predictable way, predictable in the sense of this is how the fear cascade is laid out, not necessarily predictable in how it will manifest in every person. So the first thing that our brain would have us to do when we encounter threat is to flock. That is to congregate or draw closer to others in hopes that our rate of survival increases. If you think about the wild, um, a lion does not attack an entire herd of other animals, it's prey. Instead, it attacks the most vulnerable, the weakest, the youngest, the oldest, the injured. Whatever makes that particular animal vulnerable is what draws the predator to that animal. So our brain understands survival and it will drive us to flock, to congregate or to draw closer to other people in an attempt to help us survive the threat. This happens for every single human. Now, some of our life experiences have not um, been safe when it came to flocking. And so even though we don't stop or rest at flock, we may move down the fear cascade. Flocking does happen first or attempts to flock, even if it's just a split second and we move on. It's important to understand that at a time when we are being told to distance from other people, this can be particularly distressing um, on a very subconscious, you know, below our consciousness um, felt in our body way. Even if we don't feel like we quote unquote like being around a lot of people, being told that we have to now um, quarantine ourselves or sequester ourselves or isolate ourselves from others can be very distressing, even if we don't consciously realize it or not. And that's why I want to talk about how can we stay connected during times when we are being told that we need to distance ourselves. So with that, I would like to offer a few suggestions that I hope people um, would take into consideration during these times of um, aloneness. One, some of us have families that we live with, and we are in close proximity to other individuals. And before this, it is a good chance that even though we were physically together, we were very emotionally and mentally distant. That means we may sit in different parts of the house and only communicate to one another by yelling up and down a set of stairs or down the hallway, or maybe even sending a text message to someone who is in a different room. Sometimes we can be in the same room and be so connected to other things like books or Uh, electronics that we don't actually spend time with the people we're around. Interestingly, when distancing ourselves was not the, uh, the suggestion slash mandate, I think we operated this way because we felt like we had, you know, an abundance of time. We got so used to the routines of being around people but not having to connect with them and we would get another opportunity. So we didn't fully take advantage of the time that we have with people. So that's one suggestion I have. Can we put down the things that have created barriers between us and the people that we actually are physically connected to? On the other hand, there are those that we may want to be physically connected to, but due to distance or whatever is happening, we can't get that close to them. So then I offer the use of technology in facilitating connection. Uh, Video chat is one way that we've begun to communicate with people who are distant from us. Can we utilize that to see the smiles of those who are there? We have this thing called mirror neurons that helps us to feel what another person is feeling without having to guess at what they may be experiencing, but it doesn't work if we can't see them. And so sometimes getting on video is a way you may have experienced this. If you're talking on the phone to someone and you get the inkling that something is kind of off with them, something's not right, but they're trying to maintain the tone of voice and things that suggest that things are okay. And you may say, Hey, put it on video. And the second you put it on video and you see that person's face, you know something is wrong. Because there is this power of being able to see another person that helps us discern what they're experiencing, even if they're not telling us. But sometimes, even if we don't have access to videos, just the sound of someone's voice can bring us calm and can really settle our central nervous system. And so just thinking about what it's like to call a person to check up on them. We, I think we generally have a tendency to maybe think about a person and we may send them an email or we may send them a text message just to say, Hey, what you doing? We may post something on their social media, but during times when we have less and less connection with other people, it may be a good idea to actually pick up the phone and hear their voice. Just to check in, just to say, how are you doing? Just to say, I was thinking about you. Because sometimes just hearing a person's voice, like I said, can be calming to the central nervous system. And so these may be ways that you consider connecting with people, even if you're not in close proximity to them. So just thinking about that as we talk about people who like to flock or feel that their survival is based around flocking. Well, when we can't flock because we don't have someone to flock with or because there is not safety that is uh, that comes along with that flocking, the next thing our brain will have us to do is to flee, to gain distance from the situation. And so fleeing literally may mean leaving the situation and going to a different place But if our ability to physically walk out of a place and go somewhere different has been, um, if that ability has been taken from us, then sometimes we will flee by emotionally and mentally disconnecting. That's when we um, put on our headphones and listen to some music. It's when we don't respond to telephone calls and text messages or emails. We're gaining distance, And so when people during this time are very afraid because of the uncertainty that's happening and they're not responding to us or we feel like they're distancing themselves from us, it could be that that is a fear response that they're having. One thing I offer for those of us who fleeing is a go-to fear response that we have, your body will very likely be trying to get you to move, to gain physical distance What happens when we try to go against what our body wants is we usually have, um, a lot of internal turmoil. So can you move your body? Sometimes pacing around a room or a living space can be helpful. Can you run in place? Can you go outside and take a walk around the block? If you have access to nature or a park, can you go to the park and walk a trail, go for a hike? Um, sometimes just walking you know, if your mailbox is a good distance away from where your home is, can you walk and get the mail? What we're doing by allowing our body to move is we're fulfilling its need to gain distance through movement. When we restrict that movement, our body is going to do what it can to try to get its need met. And it's not going to ask our permission. And so this urge to do to move Let's listen to that. Let's get connected to our bodies and hear what our body is saying to us. It's important that we understand that fleeing and gaining distance is a survival strategy for some people, because without that awareness, we become offended and we take it personally. And then we start to put pressures on, our, the, on the relationship based on our perception of what that person is doing. Well, when we can't uh, flock and we can't flee, the next thing that our brain will have us to do is fight. And that fight may mean that we are throwing punches and kicking, but it may also mean that we become more verbally aggressive. It may mean that we dig our heels in and we say no. No. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do this. So as I look out and I see some people whose response to the uh, the urging and the invitation that we use social distancing and that things like restaurants and movie theaters and nightclubs and things are closing down is people are angry, and they are saying, "You can't tell me what to do. This is America. I have free choice. Um, this is not real. It's made up." you know, these things are happening so that a greater agenda can be accomplished. Instead of judging those people, um, which is kind of this natural instinct that comes up, a little bit of understanding can go a long way. And while I have natural instincts that rise inside of me, when I take three steps back and I look at people who are having whatever response they're having, And realize that they are going to fall somewhere on this fear cascade and that that one particular response of defiance, if you will, is definitely part of the fight response. It it then takes away this judgment that I have for them and it replaces it with an understanding that they too are doing the best that they can to survive during this time. If we cannot, oh, so if you find yourself in the fight response, that anger is swelling up, that digging in your heels, that defiance, whether it's to the system itself or to other people, to people who have a very a differing viewpoint, one of the best things that a person who finds themselves in fight can do is to start to very literally relax their body. When you are on the internet and you read an article or you're on social media and something you read causes anger, chances are you will have tightening uh, in your body. Your fist may be clenched. You may clench your jaw. Um, Your shoulders may move up toward your ears. You may literally find that you're digging your heels into the ground all of these are sympathetic responses in your central nervous system It's the sympathetic rise and it puts you in this in a place where you either are going to flee your threat or you're going to fight it and when we are attempting to relax our body by lowering your shoulders unclenching your jaw opening your hands relaxing your feet and posture What we do is we allow the parasympathetic nervous system to relax us and it signals to the brain that we don't have to fight or we don't have to flee. And that may seem not a good idea to people who definitely feel like if I lose my fight, what am I going to do? Because they are in survival mode. The key though is if we can get some relaxation in in our body and our body signals to our brain that we are not actually needing to fight in this moment, it gives space for the part of our brain that can be rational and logical to come back online. Uh, If we cannot flock, flee, or fight, our brain will shift us into freeze. And when we get to freeze, freeze is where we begin to shut down. Uh, There is a lot of numbing that comes here. So whether it's a throw your hands up and say forget it, binge watching, drinking, eating, sex, shopping, all of these things that we can kind of get into a space of avoidance of what is happening, Mm -hmm. that is the freeze. We are kind of just in shutdown mode and it's important to know that interestingly all of us no matter where we fall on the fear cascade are interacting with each other. So people who, you know, are prone to flocking, looking at a person who's in fight, um, they may not understand each other. If they don't understand these are survival modes, they start judging one another. A person who's in fight looks at a person who's in freeze with disdain or disgust and vice versa. And so it's just important to know that this is happening. I think it's also important for us to understand that there is a upside and a downside, quote unquote, if you will, there's flocking and fleeing and fighting and freezing and safety and there's flocking and fleeing and freezing, uh, fighting and freezing in, in a lack of safety. And so to look at yourself and actually say, where am I right now, uh, coming together, um, to have, conversations and dialogues about what to do next, now that this is our current reality at this moment is flocking, but so are riots. (laughs) They've come together for a common purpose. So it's not about being one particular part of the fear cascade being right or wrong, good or bad, but it is just looking at how do you move yourself into a space of safety when you flock. Fleeing, can be safe when you're going for a walk in the park, or going to get your mail or walking in place. But if you are running away from responsibilities that you have and not coming back, well, that that's not a good thing. And so it doesn't mean that you can't move and flee. It just means how do you flee in safety? And for each one, right? Being assertive and telling your perspective and helping people that can be the fight response, but it can also be respectful and safe. And so taking time to get connected to your body, meditation, prayer, a hot shower, or soaking in a bath can also be part of the freeze response, but that can be the freeze response in safety. And so I want to offer those things to you because I think they're very important I want to shout out a colleague of mine, Amy Stanger Sullivan, who does a tremendous job doing training on what is called the polyvagal theory. Um, She will be a guest on the podcast um, in several weeks, but I just wanted to shout her out because if you're working with an organization um, of people and you want to get a better understanding of how your team and how the people you're working with and for and who you're serving or responding. She does a full training on polyvagal theory and how we go through the fear cascade and how we can move from lack of safety to safety. So her information will be in the show notes because I think it's just important information um, to get out there. But now that we have a little bit, hopefully more of an understanding of fear and threat and how very literally so many of us, all of us are in some form of survival Because there is a threat or a a perceived threat and it is very real. I'm hoping that compassion for self and compassion for others can take precedent over judgment and having to be right or having someone see our perspective. Can we stay connected in a time when we're being encouraged to distance ourselves? I believe there's a hashtag going around called hashtag alone together And it's just this understanding that while we are being encouraged to uh, socially distance ourselves, to put ourselves out of harm's way from the virus by not being around so many people, that we can do that from a space of togetherness. And I think that's very important. Um, And so I wanted to offer, lastly, some things to consider during a time when a lot of us don't necessarily feel like we have choice during a time when most of us feel like we do not have control over what's happening around us and perhaps give us a perspective to look at things differently. Um, So when we don't feel like we have choice or control in one area of our life, there is a tendency for us to compensate for that in other areas of our life. And I want to bring that up because there are so many things that are outside of our control right now that chances are there are a lot of relationships that are suffering. And I say that as a family therapist and as a couples therapist, that when there are so many things in our lives that we can't control, if we are going to work how we go to work, all our livelihoods, our finances with so many things um, being out of our control. There is a tendency for us to try to gain a whole lot of control in other areas like our relationships. So just be mindful of that. Are you snapping at people? Are you trying to assert dominance in certain relationships with your partner, with your children, with your with people at work who respond to you? Because these are the relationships in which you have power and control. And you're so tired of being out of control in other areas that you're doubling down on your control in these. Please be mindful of that because it's human nature. It happens. Without awareness, we don't have choice. I'm telling you these things to hopefully increase awareness so that you know you do have a choice. You don't have to respond this way. I want to encourage everyone to move your body. Whether you choose to leave the front door of where you are or not, stretch, move, wall push-ups, sit-ups, uh, like I said, moving your body, dancing, those things are going to be very helpful because so much of the tension and the tightness and the stress that we're experiencing right now, it is living in our bodies. So by moving our bodies and giving our bodies what it needs, we are helping to mitigate some of that stress and tension. Hydrate, people drink water. Please drink water. Our body needs it in order to survive. And when we are hydrating ourselves, we continue to communicate to our body the love and kindness that we need to give it. Continue to eat and eat well, eat healthy. Just be mindful of these things because we don't have control over so much, but these are all things that we can control. And when we focus our sights on the things that we can control, things seem a little less chaotic. They seem a little less Like we are barreling down, you know, a a waterfall that we don't know what's on the other side. And we start to realize that we may have oars and we can paddle our boat in a little bit. And another thing that I want to encourage people to do is lean into gratitude. At a time when there are so many things to be angry and frustrated and confused about, we sometimes, oftentimes, I should say, lose sight of all the things we have to be grateful for. Gratitudes are immensely important because they, one, give us dopamine, and that dopamine can begin to counteract some of the cortisol and other chemicals that are being pumped into our bodies because of the stress, because of the trauma, because of the confusion. And so gratitude, when we acknowledge something that we're grateful for, we say it out loud or we write it down, and we actually start to think on those things It literally has healing power in the current situation that we're in. So what are you grateful for? Who are you grateful for? This is the prime opportunity for us to lean into that gratitude. And um, a final thought that I have is for us to consider, even though things are very chaotic and everything that's going on within this current situation does what you have been asking for praying for trying to manifest is that inside of where we are right now I talk to so many people who are their lives are go 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 and they are just stressed with and inundated with everything they have to do and they wish they had more time with their kids they wish they had time to just sit down but now that we're given an opportunity to take that Are we getting, is that getting lost amongst all of the other things that we're thinking about? Could this be an opportunity for you to rest in a way that you haven't rested before, but you felt you needed to? Could this be an opportunity for you to reconnect with yourself and with others in a way that your busy schedule did not allow? Could this be the opportunity for you to actually notice your children? They're growing. They're growing up every single day, but our lifestyles oftentimes only allow us to notice it when a milestone happens, like a promotion of grade or a birthday comes or their pants get too short because (laughs) they've gotten taller. Can this be an opportunity for us to actually see what's in front of us? I believe that answer for so many of us is yes. So while your brain is going to make up stories no matter what you do, I am offering the opportunity for you to allow to make up a story that leads you to compassion and care and actually lean into gratitude and take the gift inside of the chaos that we have right now. This is in no way trying to minimize the very uncertain times that we're in, but I wanted to offer a voice of potential reason and compassion during a time when that is hard to come by. So I want to thank all of my listeners for tuning in for this special bonus episode. I want to remind you that if you need to get in touch with me, you can reach me on my website, www.thelaborsoflove.com. We're on all the major social media outlets. Please check out our YouTube channel where we have tons of useful videos that may be helpful for you during this time. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Um, I hope that everyone stays safe and stays healthy. Wash your hands. 30, they say 20, 20 seconds or more warm water and soap. Cough into your elbow. Keep a comfortable, safe distance from people three feet or more. And just remember, while it's uncomfortable and uncertain, these are things we can do to maintain health. Until we connect again, be well.